0: Lord, what am I supposed to do with all of these unmet expectations? Um, They're kind of littering my mind, like in an empty city lot like, with tires and like plastic bags, broken glass. You know, I could can them in mason jars or I could... I could salt and and dry them like jerky. I could put them in Ziploc bags with today's date on it. God, my freezer is filled with Ziploc bags stuffed with expectations of what you were supposed to do. Why is this so hard? Just do what we planned the way I planned it. And forgive me of all my sins. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.
1: Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen. It's a familiar set of verses for this season, says this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph... Also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. We're thankful to have you here in our third part of the Advent series. If you're not familiar, maybe your first time here. Advent means the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. In the past three weeks, we've been talking about this arrival. The first week, we talked about preparing for it, in preparation for the arrival of Jesus and really thinking about preparing our heart to make him room as the lyrics say. Last week we talked about procrastination, kind of why we don't prepare or think about it. And we just last minute go into it and miss what God might have for us. And today we're going to end with expectation. What does it mean to have expectation going in to this season? Now, This is a hard thing often for us to do because many of us have had expectations for things for some kind of thing or for a person or in prayer for God and only to be dismissed or not have it go your way. I think we all could go around the room and just say, yeah, that's happened to me. I've expected this and it didn't happen. Maybe even when you were a little kid, you expected some type of big gift or something and it just didn't happen. And that over the years weighs on us to where we get to the point we stop expecting anything from other people, much less from God, and we can grow cold and disdain the holidays and disdain God and church, or you could just go through the motions and do what a lot of us do and decide, you know what, I'm just going to keep my expectations way low, so I'm never disappointed. Anybody ever done that? And that's a great thing to do if you're going to the movies or getting ready to see Star Wars, like you keep it down here, Right? So that maybe, oh, it's going to be amazing. And you have the kind of this epiphany that this is the greatest movie ever. And so we lowered our expectations. But I'm here to say today as we talk about expectation and preparing for the arrival, that's not a great way to live. That's not a great way to approach God. It's not a great way to approach the new year. And yet we've all lived that. My wife is really big into decorating you should see our house Christmas right Addison I mean it's crazy things everywhere lights everywhere and my job is like pull it all out and dump it and then she sets it up and then I put it back up like that's my main job we'll all help out here and there but she does the bulk of it she also loves baking and like making nice little cakes and things like that so she's into Pinterest any any Pinterest people up in here? Okay, yeah. Oh, I see that hand. Yeah, right? Into Pinterest. And there's this thing in Pinterest where you see something, you're like, oh, I want to try that. And you try it and it doesn't go very well. That's called Nailed It. Let me give you some examples of a few that I found. Here's one. I saw string art balloons on Pinterest. Nailed it. This is what they expected and what they got. What about this one? If you're artsy. Crayon melting art, ooh, I'm gonna try this, this looks amazing, nailed it. Duct tape everywhere. How about this one? baby? I'm gonna make breakfast this morning. Nailed it. You ever tried to do some of those kind of things? It's not easy. I like this one. Honey, where's the waffle iron? <laughs> I've tried this. You try to waffle iron things, and then it's just crusty and nasty. You always do something wrong. There was one article I found recently. It's actually a throwback article, uh, article that came back and went viral again. And it was about this woman in 2001 who was a waitress named Jody Berry. And she's a former, former notice, Hooters waitress. Thought she was in a deal for a, of a lifetime when she was promised a brand new Toyota if she won a beer sales contest at the restaurant. So she worked hard, she she did everything she can, only to find out after she won the contest, she was blindfolded and led to the parking lot outside the restaurant for her surprise. Instead, a long instead of a long-awaited car, she got a small package with a toy Yoda inside. The article continues to say how she sued the company, and I think they settled out of court or something. The funny part about that, I mean, it's sad because you're, I'm going to get this car, I'm going to work hard, and you go out and it's a Toyota. Some people on the comments section of this article said, I hope you held on to that Toyota because a 2001 Toyota is probably worth more than a 2001 Toyota. Now, especially with where Star Wars has gone, But I think we've all been there. We had this and we got this. In fact, experts will say, if you're angry and you have anger problems, that it's not typically that circumstance or that thing that's the problem, the root. You get to the core and the root of anger is unmet expectations. This is actually a really good thing to know. So if your spouse is really angry with you, um, you might want to get on the same page. What do you expect, girl? What you want, right? You might want to get on the same page and and figure out what the expectation is. But with what we deal with nowadays in Christmas time season. A lot of us come into this season where it's the most wonderful time of the year. And you've got those people that are like elf and picking gum off the subway, right? That are really excited and fun. And then there's people that have been through some stuff. Maybe they have family members. This is their first Christmas without them. Or maybe they aren't looking forward to those awkward conversations with family members that they've been abused by. This is a real thing. There's a reason why this season is so hard on so many people. And yet how do we raise our expectation in God and not lose a child life expectancy and a hope that God is able to do something in our lives? How do we not, as one author says, grow older than God? See, life is, will beat expectation out of you if you let it. Because we have two sides of expectation. Oftentimes, you've been there when you were a kid and you expected something and, it didn't, and you didn't get it. And then you become adult and you expect something and then it ends up here. And you expect this and it ends up here. And after a while, you just lower the bar so low because you don't want to believe anymore. And yet... The scripture talks a lot about this because this is the time of year where God exceeded expectations. And and although... The people at the time had expectations that weren't met. God later exceeded them. They expected one thing and they got another, but then they expected something little and they got so much more because life just does that. It's in the fight and the build. You're doing both constantly, but we've got to keep ourselves in check to make sure we've not grown older than our Father in heaven. I think we know more. Grow old in our belief and lose that childlike innocence. There's a great, he's really a great professor. I've met him before here at Houston Baptist University, HBU, renowned um, um, historian, amazingly. His name's Dr. Craig Evans, and he wrote this article called A Closer Look Messianic Expectations. I'm gonna read you a little bit of it. It says this. The birth of Jesus was expected and prepared for, but also unexpected. The Savior of the world was born to a young couple, Luke two four through five, fleeing persecution, Matthew two thirteen, and born in a barn, Luke two seven. The King of Israel wasn't born in a palace surrounded by servants and silk sheets, but in straw surrounded by shepherds, Luke two sixteen through eighteen. Mary was not a queen, and Joseph was not a ruling king the expectation of the coming messiah was that he would be a warrior king born to a noble family but jesus was born into a blue collar carpenter's family no matter how people had prepared and what they expected the messiah to be jesus went beyond their expectations Even as a suffering king who allowed himself to be crucified for the world, Jesus' willingness to suffer and die stands in marked contrast to the widespread expectation of a coming Messiah who would slay his enemies. Even them at the time, the shepherds in the field, the magi coming to the star. Of David and Bethlehem to give gifts, both prestigious and poor, blue-collar, coming together to celebrate this God, but not in a way that everybody expected. They expected a Messiah to come. They prayed. They longed for this Messiah, and yet he did not come the way they expected him. And so they were distraught. They were dismayed. In fact, so much so, as he's growing older, we see in Jesus's life, he's getting older. He starts his ministry and comes out and is healing people and saying things that are harsh and hard, but also brilliant. People are confounded by his wisdom because they're going, who is this? He's Joseph's son. He's Mary's son. Didn't she have him out of wedlock? Oh, she claimed it was God, right? Right all of the thoughts and expectations was God's gonna bring this Messiah and he's gonna look like this and act like this and he's gonna deliver us from Rome and yet God exceeded the expectation because he didn't just deliver them from their external bounds but internal bounds in what his full plan was. And today we get to celebrate not just the freedom that we have externally, although it's great, And we should celebrate that, but internally what Jesus did to reconcile us, to bring us back in relationship with God, with the Father, with ourselves in wholeness and internal healing. What he's brought to us in reconciling us to one another, the miracle of miracles. These are the things we raise our expectations towards. And remember, God can do this, and God wants to do it again. And yet, this is really hard to do, especially if you've been disappointed. And we've all been there, myself included. We have to work through some of those disappointments so that we can believe God again for something great. See, because God says this, Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. That word hope means expected, expectations. So we have to have faith for something that we're hoping for and longing for. We have to ultimately look at what God is offering us and have a sense of faith. Let's go, let's stretch out and not just be disappointed by all the things that he hasn't given us like you saw in the skit earlier. Hard to do especially the more disappointed that you've been. We could go around the room and you could share with me your story of disappointment and we could all sit here and go, man, I know. And yet in the same breath, we read of the Christmas story of God exceeding expectations. What do we do with that? Well, the disciples started following Jesus the way by first of all, starting saying, I give my life completely to you. It's the adage you've probably heard before. Jesus is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. And they started that way. They understood, I'm following you. In fact, they left everything. They left their house, their home, their mom, their dad, their career to follow Jesus. Because they understood he is Lord. And he would later look at people and say, why do you call me Lord and not do what I tell you to do? And it's harsh, but it's true. If he really is God, if he really is Lord, then he knows the way I've got to trust him. And I've got to figure out his way and walk it and do it. But see, that was the beginning stages of a relationship with God. Because you can grow in your relationship with God. All the way to the point, he's testing them. He's seeing their devotion. At one point, Jesus says really radical things like, hey, come to me, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And it says a lot of his disciples said, went, this is crazy. This is like zombie stuff, lying into this. And many left. And yet he turned to his 12 and said, are you going to leave too? And they passed the test. They said, where else would we go? You alone have the words of life. They keep passing these tests to the point later in the relationship, Jesus looks at them and he says this, I no longer call you servants and slaves. I now call you friends what an amazing point to be in a relationship with somebody that says not only am i noticing you trust me but now i trust you and i want to talk to you as friends ultimately culminating to his death burial and resurrection. And even when he died, they're all holed up. You talk about missed expectations. They gave their life to this. He's dead. They're afraid. They're in their room scared. He shows up. They see the resurrected body. And then there's a boldness that comes on them when the Holy Spirit comes on them. And now, listen, they have even closer relationship with God, not just friends, but now sons and daughters. And that relationship, listen, is so much deeper than just a servant. And yet that's where God wants to take us on our discipleship journey. And we see it clear. But most of us just look at God and we think about this one I'm gonna show you. I was watching the TV version of the movie Coming to America. You guys remember this movie? Great movie especially the TV version. Let's keep it PG, you know what I'm saying? In this movie, there's a scene. Eddie Murphy's the prince. He's got his bride. See your queen, right? And they have the song, you're welcome for that. And I mean, it's just beautiful. The falsetto, amazing. She walks down and the train of her robe literally fills the temple, right? Isaiah 6, there you go, the Bible. He looks at her and he doesn't know her. He knows she knows him and all the things he likes, but he doesn't know her. So he takes her into this back room and he starts to ask her questions. And if you remember the movie, what does he say? He says, what kind of uh, music do you like? Whatever you like. I love this scene. What, what What kind of food do you like? Whatever you like. Bark like a dog, right? Oh, she starts to Everything, because it's not it's not mine, but whatever you like. And finally, he gets to the point where he looks at her and he says, quote, listen, I know what I like, and I know you know what I like because you were trained to know what I like, but I would like to know what do you like? See, this is a point in depth and in intimacy and relationship that Many of us need to understand God wants us to be in. See, God's not just like we we do 100% start whatever you like, whatever it is about you. But there's a point where God says, if you delight in me, I want to hear what you like too. Because this is a relationship. And now your prayer life goes from just, oh, whatever, whatever, to like being audacious and bold and actually believing God for something greater than you that only he could do so he could get glory. But see, the amazing thing, if you don't think he wants to hear from you personally, you are putting him in a box that is relationally dysfunctional even for us, much less for him who is love. God wants to go from your serving, yes, I'm trusting you, to you're my friend, to you my son and my daughter. How many of you guys remember being a little kid on Christmas? Do you remember that? Have we gotten so old, we are older than our father, we don't even remember We've got these patterns that have been developed into our brain and we forgot what it's like to look at the world with questions and ideas and excitement. Do you remember being a little kid, four, five years old, asking your parents for something crazy? And, and, and like the, the, the mean parent treats them like an adult, right? Well, you know, whatever, you entitled, you know, like they are three, right? Like just get them that thing. Now, if they say they want a pony, get them a little fake pony. You don't say like, let's allow our kids to be kids while they're kids because life will be out of them. And yet Jesus comes in and says, if you want to even enter the kingdom, you have to have faith like a child. You have to remember you're not the dad and the old one in this that knows everything. He's the father. You're the son or the daughter. You have to approach God this way. I remember when my son here is 16. Hello. He was about five years old. We were living in Abilene, Texas. There's not a lot to do in Abilene, Texas, by the way. Um, so around Christmas every year, we would go to this little park thing, and you would drive through, and there were lights and stuff. You'd get out, take pictures. And then it all ends at this, like, house, This big house where there's like this train and all these kind of hot chocolate festivities. But then there was a Santa Claus like on this little throne. And my wife, being the traditional person she is, because she did this growing up, she just had to every year, had the kids go sit on Santa's lap, get the picture, right? And you talk about missed expectations. You ever try to take pictures of kids with Santa? Or just take pictures of kids, period, right? They're just all over the place. And you're crying by the end. (laughs) God, you got like one picture out of a thousand. Thank God for digital photography. So we would, every year we'd do that, we'd go. And I remember, here's a picture of Addison. Aww, aww, so cute. You were so, used to be so cute. (laughs) Addison's about five years old, and we're in line, and we're waiting, and Santa's up there, and everybody's going. And we looked down at him, and Addison at the time was really into Justice League, Superman, and, you know, Hawkman, and all these kind of things. And so he was wanting the toys and the video games and all that kind of stuff. And so we had kind of rehearsed, okay, you're going to go. You're going to talk to Santa, and you're know, ask him. You know, he's saying it. whatever. We're getting ready, and he looks a little down. We're like, okay, are you ready? What are you going to ask him for? And he looks up, kind of despondent, A ball. And we're like, wait, wait, that's not what we talked about. What do you mean you're asking for a ball? He said, this is how Addison was and is, hey, uh, you know, Santa Claus, he's old. He doesn't know what Justice League is. (laughs) But he knows what a ball is. So I'm just going to ask him for a ball. And at that time, my heart shrunk three sizes because I went, what have I done wrong If you know anything about the first kid, you treat them like an adult too quickly. And I felt sad because I'm like, wait, what has he believed? The guy somehow has to do with me that he can't just ask and be excited and believe for something great because something in his brain said, Santa doesn't understand. Already at five, he's disappointed and he's just going to ask for a ball. How many of us go to God in the same way? Pray, believe, do year, new me, Christmas time, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you believe in God for? Ball. And I think God, like my heart is sad. God goes, What do you want, child? What are you believing for? I created you in my image to be a creator, to be creative, to dream, especially if you have my heart and you're about my kingdom. Where are we going this year? What are we doing? Let's go. I want you to believe. See, because the Bible says that God is not a respecter of persons, which this is good news for most of us in this room. He, he doesn't care about your degrees. He doesn't care about your family lineage and where you came from. He doesn't care about those types of things that we put on stage and platitudes in our culture. But here's what it, the Bible does say. But he's a respecter of faith. He loves it when his kid doesn't go, a ball, but he goes... I want all the Justice League things. Because see, we're the child. He's the father. And he wants us to approach him with that type of faith. God, you're able. This is what Christmas is also about and when we receive what he has done and who he is and how he's reconciled us, that reconciliation, that bringing back into relationship with him, we grow in that relationship. And it is a relationship, not just whatever you like, but growing in intimacy with God where he's going, I know what I like, but what do you want? Now, I'm not talking about prosperity gospel, just believing for crazy things. Although I do at the same time want you to believe for crazy things in the name of who Jesus is and what he can do and not limit what God wants to do in and through you this year. Ephesians chapter 3, Paul writes a letter to the churches in Ephesians and around, in Ephesus and around. And he says this Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Some versions say, they interpret from the Greek, that we can even dare ask or think according to the power at work within us when he placed his spirit on us, adopted us as sons and daughters. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. There are all generations forever and ever. Amen. There's something about Paul's prayers that were way more radical, not just a ball, but he's able to do more than I could even dare ask or think. That doesn't mean he doesn't want you to ask or think. It's just knowing that he is able. He can. And he wants to, because we are the children. We read this every Christmas, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, 4. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I believe the first Christians had this mentality even though they were enslaved by Rome and had it way worse than you and me. Think Israel without air conditioning. That alone, most of us are out. Having... All of the circumstances against them, their expectation of what God can do because of what he proved he did changed everything from just an external ask to an internal and belief in what God is able to do ultimately. Mark chapter 11, Jesus is ending his life. From birth, this is like the last week of his life. And he has recently cursed a fig tree on the Mount of Olives. And it says this, as they, him and his disciples, passed by in the morning, they saw this fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered him, have faith in God. interpretations to this. You'll kind of get the more extreme charismatic approach that like, if you did not get the answer to your prayer and what you believed, you didn't have enough faith. That's like one concept and idea. And then there's another concept and idea, more reformed Calvinistic view. is like, no, here's the problem. There's a little bit more nuance to that. You need to actually pray according to God's will. You need to know your motives and all of these caveats. And yet here, Jesus didn't give any caveats to either way. He just plainly said it. And I believe because what he was trying to get into his disciples was this. Approach God like a child. And be bold like a child. Don't forget this relationship is heavenly good powerful, loving father to child. And he wants to hear from you. He wants to know you. And it lends this question today and as we enter into the new year, am I limiting God? Do I put him in a box and do I put a lid on him and say, you've only done this because this is all I've ever experienced and seen versus when I see what he did in the arrival of Jesus, he can do it. Not only that, but he made a way for me to approach him like a son, like a daughter in this place. See, I think this is what Jesus is getting to, and this is why. It's important to know where Jesus was when he said this to them. The geography is very interesting, and the time. It was the week right before. He's on his way. He's gone down the Mount of Olives on his way to Jerusalem. In the next week, he's going to face death. And he knew it. He knew he was going to die. He's been prophesying about his death. He's been telling everybody, listen, this is what's going to happen. No one takes my life. I give my life. This is why I came here, to give my life for the world. He knew it and he goes by, they see that fig tree and he stops and he gives a little teaching. Hey, guys, just believe God. When you pray, believe. Approach him like a child knowing he's on his way to death. And that same week, just two days later, he's gonna be in this garden called Gethsemane which is an olive tree garden where there's an olive tree press and the Bible says he's going to be pressed so much he's going to bleed drops of blood. He's so pressed and so stressed. And just two days prior, he's like, guys, just approach God like a child. Just ask him and believe. Don't wonder about how he's going to do it. Just just be so bold as to talk to him that way because he wants to hear from you. He's a good dad and he's going to be in that garden. And I think he's going to pray the boldest prayer anyone has ever prayed. And you know what it is? He's going to say, God, take this cup. This cup of wrath and my death. If there's any way possible to do this any other way, take it from me and before we get to he does say thy will be done but before we even get to that I think see Jesus never said to do something he didn't do he never taught something that he didn't live the perfect example and two days prior him saying just believe God and ask he's knowing that's not the will of God still bold enough to say if there's any other way just approaching you like a son to a dad Such a beautiful prayer. And it's hard for us to fathom because most of us relate to God the way we relate with our father or mother. I'll be honest with you. my, My dad's in prison this year, right? He's in a federal prison in Texarkana right now. It's the first Christmas without him. I know about unmet expectations. And yet my hope genuinely and what I expect because I've seen God. He's changing that man in prison. We're having conversations about God. We've never talked about God and see the cynical nature and growing older than God in my mind I could go well it's just because he's down and out it's just this but no see I approach God when I'm asking for forgiveness he's willing because the Bible says love believes the best in everyone and he says yes okay I forgive you 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 repented I forgive you he's always ready to forgive us and then we turn around and look at somebody else and say they'll never change God says where's your childlike faith that they too can be changed by me. You were right. Now, my expectation goes of God, if you can do it in me, you can do it in anybody. And I believe now and ask audacious prayers of forgiveness and reconciliation and change, as Jesus would say don't curse your enemies. That's what normal people do, bless even your enemies. See, I've seen even over the past few months, talking to my dad in prison, he's been able to baptize people, lead people to Jesus. And I'm going, God's using him and uses even the worst things to do great things for internal healing. How can I not believe that God has something amazing for 2020, but he wants to hear me speak it. He wants to hear me profess it. He wants to hear me as a son not just as a servant. And this goes back to you too. I love this picture of this little girl. As we think about faith like a child and the picture says so much, being in a park and there's safety. She's going after these bubbles and just in awe of the world. And the question, sorry, the word cut off here, but... Here's the question for you. What mountain do you need to speak to our Father about as a child for the coming months and year? Do you have expectation that God can deliver you of that addiction that you say, you know, it just is what it is. This is just what it is. No, God wants to do it. But see, the bigger we see him and not limit him, the more we go, you can do anything and I'm just going to humbly... Dare to ask. And that's where I want our church to head this next year. As a people, there's a reason why we're called believers. That believe that God can reconcile us to each other. That God can exceed our expectation. That God could do something in this city so dramatic that people's hearts start to change. Do you believe? Or are you older than your father? Believe again. If anything, this Christmas season, with what Jesus has done in coming to our earth in a different expectation and way, believe that that's only the beginning of what God wants to ultimately do in our lives today. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're gonna end our service today with a Christmas song, but a beautiful one of let us adore him. See, because the more we adore him and look to him and who he is, the greater our faith and expectation of what he can do lives inside of us. So Father, we adore you in this place. Exceed our expectation. Grow us this season to know we are sons and daughters of you. In Jesus' name.